0: Spoiler alert, our intention on the Slashers and Screamers podcast is to bring you an entertaining escape from your workday or commute. But as we dive into your and our favorite horror flicks of all time, that entails spoiling scenes and endings to movies that you may not have seen. If this is important to you, we do advise you pause this podcast now and watch the film from this episode and come back to us.
1: We're waiting. A homicide detective and an anthropologist try to destroy a South American lizard like god who's on a people eating rampage in a Chicago museum. Nobody's Abdullah Oblongaba is safe unless you're Tom Sizzlemore. Let's watch the relic.
2: And welcome back for another episode of Slashers and Screamers, a presentation of Slasher Sports on Slashersports.com. And thank you, as always, for joining us on this perilous journey. Now, I'm not going to beat around the bush any longer, so let me go ahead and introduce my co-host. He won the first round of the classic Milton Bradley game, Crack the Case, and he chose today's film subject for us to enjoy. He is the godfather of droll, James Brown.
1: I like lizards. I know you like lizards, I creature games. movies. A creature I like creature creatures. is right creatures. up your alley. That's right. I'm here to talk about it. I watched the right movie.
2: <laughs> and that voice... Is uh well you'll know her if this if this podcast ever became a movie she'd be the one waking up in bed screaming just before the credits rolled she is final girl Casey hey hello how I are you I also
3: watched the right movie
2: well that's good that <laughs> means we are three for three so far so let's get to number four the best oh, the best things happen when you live outside your comfort zone and he makes us all uncomfortable he's the menace from Memphis Rick Sims Ricky. What's up, man? Well, that was underwhelming. Let's try that again. He's the Memphis Menace. That's not what I said, is it? He's the Menace from Memphis, Rick Sims. Ricky. What's up, Memphis, man? That's more like it. Golly, Rick, this isn't the most stacked cast in the world, but sometimes you can still win the World Series with the guys that can just get on base, right? So let's get Rick's rundown out of the way quick and early. Tell us what kind of dance we're getting into and who's playing the music.
0: All right. So we did The Relic from 1997. Uh, release date January 10th of 97. It's a horror mystery sci-fi uh, tagline is the next evolution in terror. Uh, budget was $40 million estimated. Only grossed $33,956,000. Uh, locations, Field Museum of Natural History Chicago, San Jose, California, LA, California. Filming. Uh, October 16th, 95 to February 21st, 1996. Rated R for, for get this, monster, violence, gore, and language. Uh, Runtime, 110 minutes. Um, really quick trivia. The book takes place in the Museum of... The New York Museum of Natural History, not in Chicago. Um, believe it or not, Harrison Ford was director Peter Hyam's first choice for the lead role of Vincent de Agosta. And uh, some of the actors and actresses, Penelope Ann Miller, who was Dr. Margot Green. She also starred in Carlito's Way and um, The Shadow as Margot Lane. Tom Sizemore, who is uh, Lieutenant Vincent de Agosta. In Saving Private Ryan, Black Hawk Down. Uh, Robert Lesser, who was Mayor Robert Owen, starred in Oscar and Godzilla 1998 in the original Die Hard. Uh, Linda Hunt, who was Dr. Ann Cuthbert. A lot of people will know her from NCIS Los Angeles. She was also in Kindergarten Cop. She was also in uh, the voice of uh, Willow in Pocahontas. Uh, James Whitmore, Dr. Albert Frock, the guy in the wheelchair. Uh, He was in shawshank redemption and he was in an old 50s movie called them that had a killer ants um chai M- chai mu lu or, sorry chai mo Lo, excuse me dr greg lee He's starred in everything. He's been in Nip Tuck. He's been in Kindergarten Cop. He's been in Malcolm in the Middle. He's been in NYPD Blue. He's been in Married with Children. So a lot of TV shows he's had really small and credited roles in. Um, but yeah, man, that's my rundown. Well, it sounds like
2: they just basically scraped up the cast of Kindergarten Cop and threw him in a creature feature. And I'm okay Pretty with mo- that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm completely okay with that. Well, you know, before we get into this thing, you guys know what time it is. You absolutely know. Before we get into this creature feature, you know, a wild back cleaning up my storage I stumbled across this board game technically. There's no board, but whatever. It's a game of mystery, murder, lust, betrayal, James. Boulder Dash. Well, n- no, but close. It is Milton <laughs> Bradley's Crack the Case, and you may already know the detective who first solves the crime gets to choose the film. we review on the next episode of Slashers and Screamers. So to go over the rules real quick, this is a lot like headbands. Everybody knows what headbands is, but except, you know, we're not wearing headbands. Um, We've got a case in front of us, and our investigators, that would be Casey, Rick, and James, they get to ask me, the narrator, the moderator, questions. But of course, they have to be yes or no questions. Actually, in headbands, is yes or no. But here we have a few other responses. I can get maybe some clarification. Uh, yes and no. So maybe uh, what you've asked is correct, but it's also not correct. Maybe you've worded it a certain way to make it so uh, irrelevant. So if the, the question has nothing to do with the case, I can go ahead and get you on the right track by telling you that it doesn't matter. I don't know, meaning that the facts aren't in the case. So Probably irrelevant too. And then define what you mean by it and get some clarification on your question. And then rephrase your question. If I think you're on the right track. And maybe rephrasing your question would clarify it a little bit, I can get that from you as well. So let's jump into this thing, guys. We've got a case titled Reno No No. All right, so Sam is found dead in the back alley of the Reno Casino where he worked as a croupier. You guys know what a croupier is? It's kinda like a dealer, but for crap.
1: So he's the guy that's small pancake.
2: That is a crip, but no. Um, crepes are good though, aren't they, James?
1: Yeah, I like them pretty
2: yeah, good. They're just a little bitty pancakes. Well, so Sam's working as a croupier, someone who is basically like a dealer, but for craps. Um, croupier. So, yeah, croupier. So police bring in Paula, his singer girlfriend, for questioning. She says, "You got nothing on me." She indignantly tells the officer, "I was singing at a private party when Sam was killed. I got witnesses." I know," replied the officer. "But we found this in your garbage." What was the this? The officer. Held in his hand, who killed Sam, and how? So.
1: Well- she Let's... sounds like
2: Oh, of course. You know what? Because uh Casey won last week, she gets to kick off this week's with a questioning. So Casey, and then Rick, and then James. Casey first. Question. Um, I feel like this one's a little tougher. Yeah. If I'm if I'm being to honest, where to it. start? When I read the story, you know, knowing that you got a um basically a, a dice dealer at a at a casino and a singer girlfriend and then there's a mystery item that incriminates her even though she wasn't there. We got a quite a mystery, but you guys are smart. You know what time it is.
3: Um, does the fact that he mm, is the fact that he works at a casino relevant to how he died? Yes. Okay. Rick. Who's next, James or Rick? Uh,
0: does it matter? Or no, wait. Um, is she a specific? Let me rephrase that. Does she sing a specific type of music? That is irrelevant. I wrote my phone. I'll throw that off
2: side. Nah. Shut it, James. Ask your question. Let's
1: uh, see here. My question would be, what was in the trash can? A valet parking ticket. It is a valet parking ticket in the trash can?
2: No, it is not. Casey, your question I'm going to give the um, first clue after uh, round three, by the way, of questions.
1: How many clues are there?
2: There are two.
3: Is it two every time? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but a set of master detectives like you wouldn't need them.
3: Okay, well, go ahead and lower those expectations.
1: They Even couldn't Sher- possibly be any lower. Even Sherlock Holmes needs a clue.
3: That's true. That's a fair point. Um uh, is what they found in Paula's trash can relevant to the casino itself?
2: Yes. Rick.
0: Did they find alcohol in the trash can?
1: No. James. Uh they find chips from the casino in the trash can. No. For about
2: for about five they- seconds there, I just knowing because it's you. I thought you meant like some ruffles or some <laughs> Pringles. Well, that's what I meant. The, uh, <laughs> oh, well in that case, yes. <laughs> no chips.
1: Potato no. chips. There are
2: no potato chips that's nor what poker I
1: have chips. Potato chips.
2: <laughs> there are neither potato chips nor gambling chips in the trash can. These
1: <laughs> <Please, laughs> ruffles, fifty dollars or twenty-five. <laughs> Or sour cream and onion.
2: Those would be the hundreds, James. Casey, round three, first question. <laughs>
1: Is was that it? hello, Only
3: Billy? Was what, they, was what they found in the trash can the murder weapon?
2: No. Okay. Rick. Billy almost choked out on us, y'all. Started thinking about James's question and those potato chips <laughs> <laughs> and it's how he'll come honey. over for, he'll Here. come over for poker night. And we'll just throw anything on the table and use them as chips. Bill, I don't I, have any chips left, but I got I these found, Lay's potato chips.
1: I found a peanut one time on the couch and used it for a million dollars.
2: Um, was the was the was the singer employed at the casino? That's irrelevant. The story does say that she was singing at a private party. But she could have been employed by that casino and just been singing elsewhere, but that part is irrelevant. Okay. JB?
1: Lady in red. Um, let's see here. Where's my clue at, Bill? It comes
2: after your question because you're third in the, in the questioning line. Damn it.
1: Hmm. Foiled again. I don't know where was this guy laying in the alley, in the back alley. Did yes. he get hit in the head? Casey, was he hit hit with something? <laughs> Casey, your
2: question, but first clue number one. Sam gambled with characters of
1: questionable moral. Oh, I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> <course you> know.
2: <laughs> Should I let
3: James go ahead?
2: Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Casey, this is your this is your world. We're just living in it.
3: Did he die because someone felt cheated at a craps game? Yes. So like well, no. I won't guess anything. I'll hold off.
2: Okay. Rick.
0: Were the questionable characters the Mafia?
2: I don't know. That could also be irrelevant. We just know that they were of questionable moral. And who are you to say that the Mafia is of questionable moral, first of all? This is fiction. Oh, okay. Let's make that very clear. (laughs) We are not here to upset anyone in any level of power. It's all hypothetical here. There you go. There's some very fine people in the Mafia. James, your question. Hmm. Oh, you had it solved two minutes ago.
1: Well... Now, I don't know. Um, who or what? (laughs) So. You're
2: going to tell me.
1: (laughs) You're telling me they found (laughs) him in the back of the alley, dead. All right, I know who did it. Was he killed by, did Paula have him, did Paula pay somebody to have him killed? No. You can go ahead and say (laughs) yeah. Yes and no. Yes and no. What's going on? Yes and no. Irrelevant sir. Irrelevant. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) Clue number two. Proceeds.
2: (laughs) Sam thought (laughs) Sam thought he was on a roll until his gambling buddies discovered a secret. I'm sorry, discovered his secret. Casey, your question. What's his
3: secret? Was he cheat was he killed because he got caught cheating? Yes. So he was killed by one of like his gambling buddies who caught him, I guess?
1: No. yes, now, so I what, know the answer
2: well, the question the mystery here is what was the this the officer held in his hand, which you know the item in the garbage can, who killed Sam and how, so the who we know those you know unscrupulous characters who are doing the gambling how Wait, what
1: how am I supposed to figure that out with them with them two clues? he was gambling. Well, the
2: first clue kind of tells you that though, James. Sam gambled with characters of questionable
1: morals. But it ain't going no clue to how he got killed. What he got killed with? He got killed anything.
2: Well, yeah, it it doesn't. It's not asking for a murder weapon. Just how. I mean, whether it's a, you know, a a hammer, a rake, or a fucking club. If they beat him to death, they beat him to death. (laughs) Sandwich. Well, either way, Casey's got this much. What we need to know right now to solve this mm. clue and to determine who wins this week of Crack the Case is what is the this and the uh, the officer held in his hand.
1: Mm. They got out of the trash can.
2: I believe this is now Casey's turn to either solve or Rick's question. I think it's Rick's question. Rick's question. I hope that was an idea going off in Rick's head.
1: <laughs> so that's what that was. Hey, no mind.
3: Make your on mute.
1: Oh, Look sorry. yourself, Rick. Find the answer.
2: Okay, so uh, the weapon or whatever was used to kill them. No, we we determined that we don't need the weapon. We need to know what was found in the garbage can. Okay. They told, they told the cops.
1: So, that the cops. Was, was in the garbage can.
0: I don't, man, I don't know. Drugs? I don't know.
1: Incorrect or no, James? All right, so let me th- let me let me talk this out. So whatever old officer Dingle found in the trash can is linking Paula to her being at that casino. So it would have to be something that was that you could pick up that says, "Hey, this is this from this casino." Now let my mind work. <laughs> was it a book of matches?
2: It was not. God. <laughs> he he had it. He had it. He's, <laughs> he's been playing L A noir. He's been watching Dick Tracy, but he didn't have it. Casey, what they find in that trash can?
3: Um, trying to think of other like casino e things. We already guessed chips in the trash can. We already guessed matches.
1: It's got to be something complimentary
3: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to think of. What they would? A deck of cards? Can't you get cards out a?
2: you can get cards at a casino they're all over the place but no no
3: you can get like i know you can but no okay
2: But no ricky the memphis menace i know you've got this man sam was killed by these unscrupulous characters because he got caught cheating at craps what was in that damn trash can uh
0: like fake fake money
2: no,
1: James. He he hey. oh, Let me tell you, there was a set of dice oh. in that trash can.
2: Well no, he
1: Gosh. had the dice.
2: He had the dice with him at at the <laughs> casino, James. <laughs>
1: there's something that paula threw away that she was at that casino casey
2: would you guys say that it's fair that if we don't get it in two more rounds that the dealer moi wins this round and gets to choose next week i would say that's fair yeah Two rounds? All right.
1: It's just not get fair at all.
2: Final Girl Casey, get after it. Final Girl yeah. Casey has spoken.
3: Um, My guess was also Dice. So. <laughs> um.
2: He forgot his Dice at home, so they <laughs> killed him because they wanted a bet.
1: No, she got Dice at the casino and threw them away.
3: Apparently not, James, but we were on the same track. It's
2: probably a business card or
1: something. I got a business card at the front desk.
2: Casinos are known for many front desks. Casey, your question? The uh, casinos at at front desk where you get your chips at. You get at the side parlor. Oh. The chip parlor. You've never been. You've never been to a casino, James. <laughs> you went to the buffet at the casino.
1: Uh, I've been to a casino before. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. French Lick, Indiana. Home of Larry Bird you're welcome
2: Larry Legend Legend. Casey your question
3: yeah I'm still kicking it around like what else a casino would give you all I can think of is like matches was a good guess um it is a good guess um what else would you get from a place like a receipt is it a receipt
1: she said receipt bill yes
3: okay so it's a receipt the people who did it are the unscrupulous Uh characters
1: I've got it now because he
3: was no i'm solving it <laughs> they found a receipt the people who did it are the unscrupulous characters because he was cheating and they killed him by mm.
1: well you got know how they killed him
2: don't we well what was the receipt though what, what was the receipt for? oh Please
1: be more specific
2: pacific be more pacific
3: what was the receipt for because well, you don't get a receipt you when a you stool. Because you don't get a receipt when you hire a hit huh um, I
2: always give receipt.
3: Oh, cool. I
2: mean, how else am gonna I gonna get hired, you. you know, later? True, you gotta have your
3: references. Yeah. Um, receipt was for like a drink or something? right No. Question. Boo. Uh, the receipt was
1: for yatzee
2: <laughs> and all-you-can-eat buffet. James, I know your ears perked up with that, but no, your question, James.
1: <laughs> Is it a receipt for? Her jacket, her coat, a coat check. God
2: damn it. No, James, no. Do I win this or is it one more round?
3: One more round. Okay.
1: This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. There's no receipt for anything at a casino.
3: (laughs) Is it a receipt (laughs) for buying chips?
2: No, Rick. Uh, uh, Is is this for uh, the hotel room? I don't know. No, James, it's on the line, buddy.
1: So much pressure. Receipt, 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 receipt. Was it a receipt for a drink? Already
2: been said. But no. Way to strike out looking, James. (laughs) <laughs> ha victory is mine finally <sighs> investigators must discover that paula secretly slipped sam loaded dice causing his unscrupulous customers to accuse him of cheating and beat him to death the receipt was for the loaded dice that she bought he didn't know that he was carrying when they found out they beat his ass to death with a baseball bat probably like the bat. that's crappy did. A baseball oh. bat, like you're always carrying in Reno. How
1: are you to – you can't buy no loaded dice at a casino. They didn't.
2: They didn't say that it was at a casino. You you you're hung on what? the the receipt coming from the casino, James. The receipt. going
1: pin her to the casino <laughs>
2: because it was her purchase
1: from the casino.
2: It was her purchase with her credit card.
1: James, Are I'm tired of it. Of I'm tired it. of it. Just,
2: I want you to understand something, James. Next next week's movie. Border Dash. It's going to be something that I choose, sir. And I'll let you all know at the end of this fucking podcast,
1: you mealy little bastards. Friday the 19th.
2: Good God, no. Because I'm saving <laughs> that for later. For an actual Friday the 13th. And it's, it's going to be part good. two.
3: Absolutely. I think it's always good to start the podcast on a really hostile
2: note. Well, you know what? It was hostile. <laughs> it was hostile when James picked up the phone and said hello. All right. <laughs> James was
3: singing the Jeopardy theme song for about twenty minutes before you oh. could hear us.
2: <laughs> Tom, and, like, yeah, we did have some technical difficulties, but they're worked out now. Okay, and we're on pace <laughs> right now.
1: You probably can't hear me at all. You're probably can't. just stuff up.
2: I can't. I'm yeah, reading your lips on this I'm guy. Know, just... <laughs> well, guys, we've got a pretty good cast here of some under-the-radar guys and gals. First and foremost, Rick, you already said, Penelope Ann Miller. Her first horror flick, but she wanted this role because she was inspired by director Peter Himes' desire to have a strong, smart female lead. And this is per IMDb. Tom Tom Sizemore not a lot of lead roles really solid though kind of like a a Bill Hurt from, you know, the village. You can always depend on it. But he wanted the role because he got to play the male lead, and he had the responsibility of pushing the narrative forward. Linda Hunt, cute little old lady. I'm not gonna lie, I love Linda Hunt. You know, the first movie I ever saw her in was this Richard Greco flick called If Looks Could Kill. Do you guys remember that one? <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? James, I knew you would, man. Because this thing, I believe, was, like, made for TV. Not, like, primetime TV. It might have been, like, straight to HBO kind of a situation. Rick, you were remember that when you're kind of old uh no i I've, I've, I've heard the name i don't remember it at all though so like in this one richard grieco he's a high school senior i think and of course he's probably you know mid 30s at this time i don't know but he's in summer school i think he's got to make up a, a french class to graduate right so Part of that makeup is to take a class trip to France, and I don't know what kind of fucking summer school sends you to France, but on said trip, he's mistaken for a spy by the same name, who ironically is played by Roger Daltrey of The Hoop. But it was it was made for TV, but, you know, Greco, it was kind of a budding heartthrob straight you know, off it's a movie. of, uh, huh? I'm
1: saying it's a movie. Yeah, it's a I'm movie, a but
2: what I'm movie saying movie is, movie is movie it, it didn't, it, there was made no made release in theater. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, was a, Right, yeah, it definitely didn't go to theaters, but he was straight off of 21 Jump Street at the time, so he, this was kind of his coming out, which there wasn't much of a coming out because he was whatever. Uh, another kind of low-key favorite of mine in this one, I guess because of you know my youth or whatever, but Clayton Roner is in this movie, and if you don't know the name, he played Rick in Just One of the Guys. Now, Casey, that seems like a movie that you would have seen. Nope. Nope. Okay. Well. I lived to disappoint you. Well, you know what? You're living right because it happens (laughs) often. James, (laughs) you probably remember just one of the guys.
1: I've seen that movie where that girl dresses up like a guy.
2: Exactly. So, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, her name is Joyce Heiser. She was uh, kind of a big deal.
1: What'd you say? The guy in this movie plays her boyfriend.
2: Uh, well, just plays the friend throughout the movie, and at the end of the movie, they kind of hook up, spoiler alert, but, uh, yeah, Joyce Heiser says how, you know, life is so much easier for guys, all they gotta do is whatever, and so she decides to, you know, dress up as a guy, cut her hair, um, fools everybody, and, you know, lots of hijinks, but fantastic flick, but when we join this story, the relic, let's kick this thing off. We're dropped into an indigenous tribal ceremony or gathering, but there's a random white dude there taking pics for his IG probably, I don't know, but one of the elders uh, is boiling up some of that Bryce Dallas Howard bathwater soup I ordered last week, you know, uh, but yeah. we see, uh, Oh, you, you you'd have some. But believe me you would um but we see uh, this figure a statue a relic if you will of some creature all right the random white guy who looks like indiana jones he takes him a sip of some of that bryce dallas howard soup and he's immediately tripping balls guys what do you make of this opening scene
3: it did give me indiana jones vibes like very much so that's what i have written here
1: yeah <laughs> I've got one rule, Bill. What is it? Never drink hot tea from any indigenous species.
2: <laughs> species? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, just. Uh, <laughs> okay. Never drink hot tea that. from
1: Aborigine. Th-
2: These are not the aborigines. That is uh, a couple of continents away. But. Australia. <laughs> exactly Rick those are in Australia, New Zealand Um, but I don't know if he's hallucinating or what but he's approached by this younger uh, indigenous man in some pretty fabulous garb and he utters the word "Kathoga" before he really loses his shit and as the, the scene ends you know, we we see the statue kind of fading, you know, fading to black uh, that we'd seen before. And I'm guessing at this point we're to infer that this statue is the Cathoga. I mean, is that what the vibe you got was? That's kind of what I had figured, yeah. <clears throat> I didn't know if it was just like some random creature. I didn't know if that's what we're looking for. I mean, because the, the well, trailer clearly—good job, James. The the trailer clearly you know, says this is a creature feature, so there's no surprise whatsoever. But um, you know, we we jump elsewhere to appear, and this is a uh, fast forward a little bit where apparently the Titanic is setting sail, or someone's off to Skull Island to capture Kong. I don't know what they're doing, but we're we're to understand that Indiana Jones here from the first scene is adamant about not wanting a shipment, to a museum in Chicago to get to his destination. Of course, I don't know if if it's the ship captain or the lead boatswain's mate or whomever, but he's not playing ball. So Indiana Jones stows away. He's frantically searching through the crates in the hole of the vessel and finally finds one going to Chicago, busts it open, and judging from his crying reaction, does not find what he's looking for. He does find some really nice rugs, though. Beautiful rugs. They were beautiful. I wanted wanted one of those in my living room. I may... This could have been some really good product placement. I may go to the rug place, you know, next weekend and get me a big rug. I'd have been satisfied with the rug, other than the relic. But doesn't the camera cut away to... It shows
3: the crates? Yeah, (laughs) we do pan over to the crates, like, 20 feet away, very clearly labeled.
2: Oh, absolutely. After that fucking captain was really clear about, oh, we got them. We're going to take care of them for you. Yeah. Well, after all that trouble... Trying to stop the Skull Island ship. Breaking a ton of crates like Crash Bandicoot. The the, the cargo in question, like you said, right there on the pier. Never to be opened by anyone ever, right? Well... Enter Tom fucking Sizemore, okay? He's a typical 90s, I don't want to say a typical 90s detective, because, I mean, this is clearly a horror flick, but, I mean, he's down on his luck, you know? He's a down-on-his-luck lieutenant who just lost his dog Jerry to his ex in a divorce settlement. But he's complete with trench coats, snarky quips, so yeah. He's a damn good cop. And he's very superstitious. Very
1: superstitious. Did
2: you like that? That was, that was a good one. You didn't know I could do that, but
1: did you? Right on the wall.
2: <laughs> you didn't know he could do that, did you?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you want to keep going, James? We can get this. I mean, that's a four-minute song. Kill a lot of times.
1: <laughs> Lieutenant Sizzlemore. Lieutenant don't Sizzlemore. Don't like well, he's inheriting a mess, James. He's inheriting out a no big mess his mm. dog, he lost his dog, Bill. That's the
2: worst part of it all. I mean, to hell with a wife. He lost his dog. And it sounds like he loves his dog. His dog named Jerry. What kind of dog is that, do you think? You know what? I wrote that down as well. Like, who fucking calls their dog Jerry?
3: I hope it's a pug.
2: Hmm, Jerry. I could see him being a German Shepherd. Probably because it, there are German Shepherds. I was going to movies.
3: say, is it because there are German Shepherds in the movie?
2: Yeah, that, that's just thinking out loud. That Yeah. And I'm also thinking about the movie Canine with uh, Belushi that one i have
3: seen
2: yeah and like jerry lee he's a german shepherd i think well uh sizzlemore is inheriting a mess here there's a bloody mess aboard the ship you know there's no crew to be found and most importantly and i'm confused about this but this is the same ship as you know indiana jones is stowed away on right yep okay so like i was confused about the fact that the the crate was left on the pier you know the, the right crate was left on the pier but everybody's fucking torn to pieces on this ship. I thought this was like a, a leprechaun situation.
1: a little secret, but not just yet.
2: Well, I was thinking this was a leprechaun situation where our creature was in the crate and he was trying to get to it to stop it from being opened or delivered to wherever. And that was just silly me thinking wrong, I guess. But whoever or whatever this crazy killer is, you know, it's, it's not a one-and-done thing. On. Calm down, Jane. Down. Not tonight, man. I'm the Leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, apparently uh Rick and Casey are too young for this fucking shit.
0: No, I know I'm I'm I know what Leprechaun is. Jeffrey
2: Aniston's yeah, first. Movie. Yeah, but James isn't doing the leprechaun. James is doing Mike Myers doing Wayne Campbell doing the leprechaun with the flashlight yeah, in his face. That's um, what I'm talking about god james just hush up i've seen one of the sequels to
3: leprechaun but i don't think i've ever actually seen the first one
2: the only one that actually qualifies as horror i think right
3: well yeah, yeah the one i
2: saw definitely wasn't uh just
3: what horror i would call horror comedy horror right yeah it was pretty stupid
2: right. yeah, it's kind of, kind of like the friday the 13th where they just got campier and campier as it went. It was already an asinine, you know, premise, but they got really silly later on. So, who better to tear limb from limb, though, but some children who want to skip school? It's my preferred demographic, if I were a deranged killer. (laughs) I mean, I'm surprised my my kids are alive. I've thought many times about getting a wood chipper or something, and never mind. Back to the film. So we finally meet Dr. Margot Green, a lovely lady, if I may say so, in the running for the Hammer Award. Maybe. Maybe not.
3: Not a lot of competition in this one.
2: Oh, there's a lot of competition, Casey.
3: Oh, I am so sorry if Brooks Hatfield from Shawshank Redemption is in the running. She's got a lot to worry about.
2: Well, she's got something to worry about, and it's because of her attitude, okay? I, I guess we're led to believe that, you know, Penelope Ann Miller's character here, Dr. Margot Green, is one of those, yeah, she's a doctor, she's brilliant in her work, but maybe she's a little sloppy, unorganized or something in other parts of her life. She's getting dressed on the street. You know, this is how I took it. I don't know. So I mean, you've she's never cool... done it. Mm, well, so we have two people. Uh <laughs> You know, between uh, Lieutenant Augusta Sizemore and Dr. Green, who are the best in their field, but have very flawed personal lives, maybe. Not that anything has, you know, know, specified anything like that for the doctor. So we're at this museum, assuming that it's the one that Indiana Jones wanted to stop from, you know, getting that shipment. And, you know, Dr. Green's got her team of scientists there. She's screaming at a fellow doctor for applying for a grant, which from my calculation seems totally fair. So I'm kind of picking up that Dr. Green's a little bit of a bitch.
0: Yeah, she got mad at that one dude when he was like, oh, I'm working on a grant. She's like, that's mine. He's
3: like, no, it's not. I
2: mean, if it was her grant, she would have the money, right?
3: Right, yeah. She's not exactly. because he's already got the money and he's going to cause all her people to get fired. I'm not justifying it, but that what was
1: her Was Ger- there gerbil? She didn't call him
2: a gerbil? <laughs> yeah you really are a gerbil i'm gonna start using that going forward could you guys do that as well yeah absolutely I mean, the four of us doing this, it could really spread. I think we'll put it out there. It'll really work. So being the nosy bitch that she is, Dr. Green, probably wanting to get the unfair advantage over her colleagues, goes snooping around in Dr. Whitney's office. Now, Dr. Whitney, after referring to IMDb, is uh, who, you know, I've been referring to as Indiana Jones. So it's good to finally get my shit together on that. But Dr. Green sneaks into Indiana Jones's office, sees the crate that he was frantically searching for on the Skull Island ship, At the beginning, but in comes Linda Hunt and James Whitmore, who, may he rest in peace, played Brooks in uh, in the Shawshank Redemption. I'll always be fond of him for that role, first of all. And sad. And, and, yeah, yeah, very sad. But here's where we kind of get the scattered info put back into place. You know, we've jumped around from, you know, Whitney to to Augusta to Green, and, uh, you know, the the crates were apparently mixed up in Brazil, never made it onto the ship, but were instead sent to the museum by air freight, uh, and we kind of understand now why he wanted to stop that shipment, and why he didn't want it coming especially to the museum in Chicago. But according to uh, Shawshank, the Cathoga came about when a South American tribe who was believed to have been extinct made a deal with the devil to play the guitar real good. No, wrong story. <laughs> they made a deal to vanquish their enemies even better than the guitar. Thus, the Cathoga, the son of Satan. And boy, does it have a face that only a father could love. From the little statues and trinkets we've seen, right?
3: Yeah, it's not like a really enticing thing to look at.
2: No, and I don't really know what to expect at this point either. I, I see teeth. I see, uh, do, do we see a forked tongue on the, uh, on the statue, on the relic? Mm. I didn't pay that close of attention. My bad. See, I was trying to get some kind of clarification on what I'm going to be looking for later. I had not seen this film since, I don't know, the, the nineties when it came out, as a matter of fact, last week when we mentioned it, I think James, Mentioned uh, The Relic, and I said, doesn't that have Mira Sorvino? I had the complete wrong actress, so it's been a really long time since I saw it. I don't even know what I was thinking of Mira Sorvino being in. Was but... I the
3: only one who hadn't seen it before?
2: No, I, ne- I never seen it till yesterday. Oh, uh, okay. Wow. Well, I saw it when it was new, so I may as well have never seen it. James probably puts it you know, on, on his TV when he goes to bed.
3: <laughs> Just a gentle drifting into sleep with this one.
2: Oh,
1: yeah. Tom Sizzle puts me to bed every time.
2: Well, you know, apparently Dr. Green doesn't like Dr. Jones very much. Uh, Says his work is all superstition. No science. But of course we knew that already. She doesn't like anyone. Beginning to think she doesn't like anyone in her field. Afraid of a little competition. Maybe I don't know. Well, the museum's closed. We know that the kids are still there. They're up to no good, because who doesn't like staying in museums longer than you're supposed to be there? I do. Not, yeah, of course. Well, not until the Ben Stiller flicks, though, right? Did anybody care about museums until then? Yes. This this movie is basically a NASA museum meets alien. Pretty much. Meets Jurassic Park. Meets Jurassic Park. I'll, I'll take that. It's a There's a lot event. of
3: Jurassic Park
2: vibes to me. Yeah, the guy. Don't the forget
1: High. Stephen King. Stephen.
2: Oh yeah, and you got to have a little Stephen King thinner in there because you know the of the curse.
3: Also, though, in my reference to Jurassic Park and Aliens, the superior Alien movie. Stan Winston, who is a television and film makeup effects creator, designed work in The Relic, like the creature design, but also did design for the first three Jurassic Park movies and Aliens, as well as... First two Predator movies as well.
2: So it's not accidental that we get these vibes. No,
3: it's not.
2: That's fantastic. So our first. I'm proud of us for noticing. Well, you know, if, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have been able to pinpoint that. I
1: thought that. familiar.
2: You didn't know anything,
1: James. Chattanooga. Chattanooga.
2: Our first, first known, Ch- our first known and witnessed victim. Of course, we had we didn't see the victims taken out on the ship, but our first witness victim is our poor security guard. Nothing like that at all, as I work in private security myself. But he's just trying to chill out, squash one off while he's on the clock. Open up but that guys, window. Yeah, he didn't open the window. So, but you know, guys, he's uh he's doing weed, and that's a no no.
0: <laughs> I thought he was doing that that
3: something else, but I wasn't sure.
2: <laughs> oh no, he was he was doing weed, Rick. That
3: was absolutely a weed. But oh, also we always... that. It go ahead famously one of the rules of horror in the movie scream is you can't do drugs
2: oh yeah i don't know what rule that is but it's near the damn top it's mount yeah. rushmore rule well we know who's on the scene to investigate i mean it's none other than lieutenant vincent big dick dagosta and when he hears that dr green was on duty dagosta wants to speak don't to think him i that is his name.
3: It's his legal name. He changed it's it.
2: Legal, it's his legal name, yes. Thank you, Casey. Casey did the homework. She knows. Yeah. Well, D'Augusta wants to speak to him, quote-unquote him, Dr. Green. Sexist. You know, Sex bastard <laughs> well when they finally meet he gives her the rundown she's like well what am i supposed to do like she wants to what, what she wants to do is above what law enforcement's working on you know with the dead guy who works at her museum because fuck that guy right we need to get this place running when somebody lets her in she's immediately screaming like she was the one murdered gosh she's getting on my fucking nerves at this point honestly <laughs> in fact they're all on my nerve oh officer freddy fender's body isn't even cold yet and they're all worried about the exhibit when they can use the museum again. Like, seriously, I hope the Kthoga butt fucks them all in the mouth at this point.
1: Whoa.
3: Language. Chatuga.
2: I don't know, Dr. Green. Could be less likable here. I don't know what she would have to do to be less likable than like, you know, pushing an old lady out of her wheelchair. But she's taken every opportunity to shit on anything with Dr. Whitney's name on it. Is that fair? I don't think it's fair. He could suck. We don't know. He could. But man, he's out in the field connecting with the indigenous people, putting in the miles, putting in the investigation. But because he's attached to a little bit of superstition, he ain't shit to Dr. Green. I wanted to make Penelope Ann Miller the hammer of this film. Who (laughs) is
3: if it's not her,
2: you know you're just gonna have to wait. Well, when business really starts picking up though, for me anyways, when they do the autopsy and there's Freddie Fender's warped body on the table, the doctors just listen all the ways his he got completely fucked up. And you see Freddie's head just laying there, attached but like kind of not attached also. It's pretty heavy. So the search has kind of begun for the killer. No one really has much of anything to go on except that you know Freddie's torn to pieces. And, you know, I may have missed this, but did...
1: And he likes the uh, Abdullah Oblongata. Pretty close. The, the Thalus, Thalus Maximus. He's got yeah. a hankering for the Thalus Maximus.
2: Yeah, man. And just to think, a year ago, you were an amateur gynecologist. Did the gods even the remember the ship where they found the dead body?
1: Huh? I've got the badge to prove it. <laughs> Oh
2: uh-huh. my God! Did uh, did Augusta even remember uh, the the ship where they found the that dead body, Gumbo, <laughs> that <laughs> with all the body parts floating around in it? Because it doesn't really feel like he's giving this murder of uh, of the security officer the due regard to the calamity that he's been sent out to dulcify. You're, You're damn you
1: right, right. More Moore's got a mind like a steel trap, Bill. He doesn't forget anything.
3: I mean, he may not forget anything, but he's definitely not as alarmed as I would be. Maybe I'm just a
1: huge baby though.
2: Well, you know, James, well, I mean, he's and James still still, might be you. Well, you know, James, I don't I don't know. I, you, you're cut from a Killer. different cloth. You're cut from a different cloth, James. You uh, you know, you, you're out there in your in your buffalo briefs camping, living amongst the the yeti and the, the bigfoot.
1: Well I tell you if I run up on a decrepitated body and you know, I'll be looking over my shoulder.
2: Yeah, I I would think you would, James, but I don't think that he is giving the proper level of emergency to to Freddie's body here who's who's been ripped apart after seeing all the body parts floating in the, the bilge of, of the ship.
1: Well he doesn't shut the museum down and said, Ain't nobody getting in here. Ain't nobody coming out.
2: Yeah, but he's he's going around asking questions to people, and they're worried about you know homeless well, vagrants.
1: To things out, Bill. You got to ask questions, just like I did on that and that. Game we was playing earlier. Yes, you, did, you did do that, James. I asked all the right questions. Like my yeah. boy, Sizzlemore.
2: Well, you we find totally out that those... Oh. No, go ahead, please. By all means. Get me you off of James. You display the
3: proper amount of concern at that dead body, brain-removed blood all over the bathroom?
2: The doctor. want okay, to answer that, James. I don't think due reverence has been given to what's
1: going on here. <laughs> what do you want to happen, Bill? Everybody's panicking. Decided. People yeah. screaming right at the museum. Yeah. They've got a big, they're trying to keep it under wraps, Bill, because they got a big show in the show. A gala, if you will. I
2: will. I will. Thank you. And we'll we did also you write find out later movie? he did. You know he did. And after he saw it, like 10 minutes later, he got like some notebook paper, <laughs> wide ruled in that fat kindergarten pencil, and just started writing his own story.
3: <laughs> there are, you know what? This is based on a sure book, and yeah, not- there are like a bunch of sequels. I'm kind of surprised that. This movie is a standalone.
1: I actually took, I took notes on this film. That's <laughs> the only notes that I took so far. And I just took one note, and it was how to say the name of the monster, and it's like an old car horn. <laughs> Just wrote that down at work and that's <laughs> <the> why <whole thing. laughs> you know,
2: Casey, you ask if James wrote this movie. Well, when we were in fourth grade, we were tasked with writing a story, and I was not a very good creative writer. I was very matter-of-fact. However, James in his infinite wisdom basically copied word for word uh the story of maximum overdrive. <laughs> 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 and he turned it in and i I read it we I read his book, and when I got to the part where and then the coke machine went haywire, <laughs> I knew we'd been duped.
1: <laughs> I made that into a book and everything bill
2: <laughs> where Stephen King failed, you thrived.
1: I put the string in the spine and everything. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, you really pulled the string on them, James. God. Man, hard,
1: hard, hard back.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they were bound and everything. But, you know, later on at this point, we find out that those big leaves that Penelope and Millard found, I guess that Dr. Whitney had sent in, they have remnants of animal fungus or something. So that, that scissor that Indiana Jones was sipping on, it's bad business. All right, starting to think this is a little more than a little superstition. So how's this superstition looking now, guys? Not that crazy now, is it?
3: Not that crazy.
2: Not that crazy. But Not you know, like
3: brain removed on the bathroom crazy.
2: Well, okay. Well, this film does a great job though of building up the creature to the point where we're getting big scares before we ever even see it fully. You know, there's, there's a scene where Nellie Ann Miller is strolling through a certain part of the museum. She thinks she's being stalked by something. She hears the heavy breathing, probably feels it chomping at her heels, barely escapes with her life into the restroom, but of course it wasn't the Cthulhu. It was an asthmatic member of sanitation. Still stressful scene, but I think that was strategically done though because as, as you know she ends up in the restroom, so we we think we're gonna have the same problems that Officer Fred had early on when he was doing that weed. I think it was a good scene. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Casey? Doing weed. Smoke. It's gonna get <laughs> me every time. <You> <laughs> he was doing weed. He was smoking some drugs. He rolled it up and smoked it the- like a cigarette. <laughs> So we learned that Shawshank's got some theories on evolutionary biology that states along with natural selection.
1: Does he, he ever?
2: Could, oh, he does. That There may come a, just a gross species just randomly appears along the way, to which Tom Sizemore, Sizzlemore, asked if any of those rituals that Indiana Jones was studying included ripping out the human hypothalamus. James, the human hypothalamus.
1: Human hypothalamus. There you go. Bravo. What we've got here is a human hypothalamus liquor.
2: That's right. And because I knew this set of simpletons wouldn't know what that was, I decided to type it in my Google machine. And what I found was the hypothalamus' main role is to keep the body in homeostasis as much as possible. James, when you get hungry, what happens to your stomach?
1: It starts to grumble.
2: That's right. That hypothalamus tells (laughs) it to tell you that you're hungry so you know to Mm. go eat. So feelings of hunger, for example, are the brain's way of letting its owner know that they need more nutrients to achieve homeostasis, balance. So the hypothalamus acts as the connector between the and, oh god, the endocrine and nervous systems to achieve this. It plays a part in many essential functions of the body, such as body temperature, thirst, appetite, emotions, Casey, sleep cycles, sex drive, Rick, blood pressure, heart rate, me. Production of digestive juices, James, and balancing bodily (laughs) fluids,
1: all of us. I've got a lot of juices.
2: You do, James, and they don't always come out the right place. (laughs) Not always. So, so unbeknownst to the city's finest, but known to us, there's a creature lurking in the shadows, guys. Two of the investigating officers take down this poor vagrant hiding in the closet of the museum. The worst thing about it, all signs point to him being the killer, right? So he's got some of Freddy Fender's personal effects on him, as well as somebody's from the ship. So all signs are pointing to him.
1: So they didn't just take him. Um, they emptied the clip on him.
2: They emptied the fucking clip, which is not a surprise. I'm not even going to make a a social commentary with that, but not a surprise. But, you know, D'Gust is not having it. He's still convinced there's some other fuckery afoot, guys. Have it I missed something? Right. He is right, but have I missed something, or is this just bad writing? Usually I'd feel like there's a detail that only the investigator and the viewers have seen. But this feels like we want our lead actor to look smart, so we're going to say he isn't satisfied. Because in real life, that's a slam dunk. You got murders, you got a guy, you got all the personal effects on him, that's a slam dunk. But bad unfortunately writing, let's
3: it's not you. enough. I mean, he's right. I well, agree. Right though. They could, to they could right. do something else to clue us in
2: with there you him. Know. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I'm asking. Just give me something else. <laughs> give me like a tooth from something that only
1: found. Why is there a telephone in the sewers directly to the mayor?
3: Is that not where you keep your telephone to the mayor?
1: No. I mean, it's it's the to stuff. the toilet.
2: Because they wanted a tell on there, James, okay? You know, the level of satisfaction that I got so, when Dr. Green... Uh,
1: what, James? The guy that comes down there is the guy that plays the uh high priest in uh, Game of Thrones. What? The Citadel guy. How did I miss The guy that? That comes out smug and says, Curse close, sizzle Looks like the gala's going on tonight. And then he gets a call from the mayor. He's in Game of Thrones, Bill. He's the uh, High Septon or something.
2: Well, I guess you're really satisfied with yourself, aren't you?
1: I recognized him, Bill. I knew he was a crook as soon as he walked in down there.
2: Well, the level of satisfaction I got when Dr. Green went to Dr. Lee to identify the specimen, uh, it can only be compared to, well, to the satisfaction Dr. Lee probably got. So prior to this, Dr. Green smashed what I can only assume was like a cathoga hatchling looks like a giant june bug i don't know just ran out at her it was pretty disgusting i think it was a
1: bug that some of those leaves and it morphed it into a bigger thing
2: i think so so nothing to do with uh well, I mean, don't don't these things... Everything that, that has come from, that, I guess, that part of the world, can we assume that it's all feeding on those leaves and it's making different creatures from that part yeah, of the world? Yeah, the leaves
3: and the fungus, right? That's what I took it to be.
2: Well, it, yeah, I mean, they thought it was blood and it was really the um, egg. Okay, well, she stayed up all night studying those oozy insides of said creature, and you know, she got a result that she simply did not know. She had to go to the guy who suddenly seems be worth his weight in Cthulhu guts. Dr. Green, I mean Dr. Lee so he immediately identifies it as a member of the gecko family and I feel like this was before Geico, which is not a sponsor of the Slashers and Screamers podcast before could Geico be. was around. It could be. Cause I feel Oh yeah I feel like though they used the explanation for all the folks who, who didn't know what a gecko was. Like did anybody really know what a gecko was before Geico? Mm-hmm. I don't remember a time before gecko? Geico. Well I knew I what a gecko was because I was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan and there was a side character named mondo gecko so suck on that james pepperidge farmer well even with that
1: ninja turtles hairs on (laughs) a half shell
2: turtle power so even with the magic indigenous water and the cathoga and the superstitions like is the most unbelievable part of this movie how quickly penelope ann miller gets ready for the party
3: yes i have notes about this
2: oh please
3: First of all, who zipped up her dress? I will start there.
2: <laughs> I don't know who zipped up her dress. She looks pretty limber. She's a dainty little gal. Maybe she's one of those people that can, you know, like reach over her shoulder and pull her wallet out of her back pocket. I don't know.
3: She must, because that shit is impossible.
2: Yeah, I've got. And one her hair spot
3: looked good immediately. Back. Well, she pulled it up. Maybe
1: she tied a string to it before she put the dress on.
3: You know, that is something to
2: consider.
1: Maybe she called Lieutenant Sizzlemore over there to help her out. out
2: Sounds like uh, James has also written some relic erotica on the side. (laughs) (laughs) As Sizzlemore came in and caressed her milky thighs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're dropped into the party where they're kind of serving these fancy lunchables. They're playing some middle school level symphonies. When on the DL, D'Agusta's running these dogs Oops. through the hallways. All right? Meanwhile, Dr. Green and Dr. Shawshank are getting to the bottom of the biology of it all. And they're finding that the, the samples scraped from the giant June bug that almost attacked Dr. Green are signs that whatever killed Officer Fred Ford was in need of those hormones found in the human hypothalamus. And I use this word throughout this movie many times, and I don't think I can ever forget it. If I pull nothing away from this movie, it's the human hypothalamus keeps us in homeostasis. Homeostasis? Homeostasis. Is that huh?
3: Homeostasis, you're right.
2: Okay, thank goodness. Well, we already knew that the victims had parts of their brains gnawed on, but after seeing the number that Cathoga did on the German Shepherds, uh
3: Oh my god! You guys didn't tell me we were watching a dog dead movie.
0: Yeah, Billy, that really kind of upset me that the dogs died. I was like, are you kidding Only me? Only
3: one. Only one dog died. are
1: animals harmed to the filming of this movie. There were. Well, kind of. Yeah, but the also, really the, killed them.
3: the dogs are named Castor and Pollux, which are based in Roman legacy lore I don't know but it's the Gemini twins I was like oh okay cool
2: did you say that the German Shepherds were named Kevin and Pollock
3: Castor and
2: Pollux. Okay. Cassio and Phyllis Pretty much. So, these are extremely smart pups, German Shepherds are. Consistently in everybody's top eight, top six, smartest breeds. So, old uh, is getting a hold of these things, and he's getting plenty. If this is anything like Jeepers Creepers, and they get power from... Like people's I guess strongest assets and this thing's eating smart dog brains this thing's probably fe- eating pretty good so we, we we know that it feeds on the hormones of that specific part of the brain well either way you, Casey Rick you guys probably need to pull up the, the the parents guide on IMDB next time we watch a movie that'll tell you if there's any dogs
1: human hyper, hyper, you know what I'm talking about I know Jane I know human hypothalamus because dogs aren't human oh well
2: th- th- is there really any proof though that it's only human? I think it's still a hypothesis. It's a human hypothesis hypothe- for the human, human hypothalamus, hypothalamus to keep you in hum- homeostasis.
1: Human hypothalamus
2: with Kevin Pollock.
1: Human human hypothalamus gland. Yeah. It's human in the name of it, so it's not canine hypothalamus
2: gland. Well, I, I think human is just the adjective used, and hypothalamus
1: is the noun. The,
2: the well, the real chaos begins when Linda Hunt's <laughs> character is given the gala tour. She's showing off the Cthulhu statue, there's you know, blood dripping from the ceiling, a headless corpse falls onto one of the exhibits, they're panicking, they lose power, the sprinkler system's activated, Sizemore's running in with the surviving dog, who I guarantee wants no part of this bullshit, People are trampled to death a lady is crushed between the crowd and the glass window everything is going great but also the
3: body it was
1: like falling. a normal Saturday night
3: the body falling to me was very Jurassic Park Samuel Jackson's arm falling
2: Samuel Jackson gets hurt in Jurassic Park
3: his arm his like decapitated arm goes on the guy's shoulder he
2: doesn't survive any creature feature does he oh
3: uh, can't speak to everything. Does he survive snakes on a plane?
2: Was
1: Samuel Jackson in this movie?
3: No, I'm comparing it to Jurassic
1: Park. Was he the in the sewer?
2: Get these motherfucking leaves out this motherfucking crate!
1: <laughs> I'm tired of these motherfucking tinkers in this motherfucking museum. <laughs>
2: Well, I I feel like <laughs> I feel like whoever directed this movie <laughs> believes that walkie-talkies work the same as phones because when Gusta has the mayor on the walkie, the mayor's talking and Degusta just cuts him off like you can do that on a walkie. Like do walkies not work like I think they do? Like you can't speak unless the other guy lets off, let's go with the button, right? Yeah, you can't that's not possible. Yeah, so the, the the mayor's talking.
1: That's just something I teach you did when we played those walkie talkies a long time ago.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> it stuck with me, James. You never cut <laughs> me off because I forgot to let go of the button. And I, I, I know, would
1: just know just that. Button and you'd be like.
2: Why won't you talk to me? Beep. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sizzlemore is talking. No, the the mayor's talking, and then Sizzlemore hits his button. He's like, "I don't give a fuck what you think." So right. sit down and shut up. Like you can't do that.
3: I didn't. Ca- all, but also, I don't use walkie talkies a lot.
2: Well, you should more often. You haven't lived. Oh, you haven't I Casey's mean... still using a, a cup on a string. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Cell phones were more readily available uh, when I was younger than you guys, I think.
2: You don't yeah, know about them. I got my first one at 22. I was 12. Ugh. So. You know the next telephone. Dr. Green, like Dr. Shawshank, 16. and Augusta are having this very close encounter with the Cthulhu and is running full speed at them before they can lock the vault door. And it almost knocks the door in. And they're just standing there talking like they see this shit every day. Like Shawshank what? says, so matter of fact, well, I guess that was the Cathoga. Whitney must have found it. Why didn't he tell us? And then Green breaks out in a 4-H speech about it. There's no sense of panic here. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Nobody is panicked
3: enough in this whole movie.
2: Well, further perplexing me, once again, after seeing this mythical creature running down the hallway at him, is telling his tale of his lucky bullet. These motherfuckers are too calm for me at this point. The people in the museum tour tour, given their appropriate panic level, because they watched a catholic grab a man by his medulla oblongata, James, and they all split, all except Dr. Lee in the very next scene. Green's going through the DNA of the creature and comes up with the same info that Lee told her earlier, except she didn't give him any credit. She could have been like, yeah, this com- this confirms what Lee told me earlier, but no, he did now. Doesn't matter. Fuck him. Fuck him. But you know, the biggest holy shit moment of the movie for me. We're, we're back to the Cathogan. and he's tearing folks, you know, new asshole. We see it jump like really high in the air, snatches infiltrating soldier off his rappel line, then he knocks another one away with his tail. The craziest part is when we finally see no camera cut, full beheading. Like he snatches up a shoulder, uh, a soldier running away by the shoulders, takes those pincers, and just removes the head clean off. Amazing scene.
3: It was really cool. I liked a lot, I liked a lot the face shape on it that it had, like, the spider, like, erected-looking face. I thought that was really unsettling, and I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, let's talk about this creature for a second. Now that we've seen him, you know, head to toe, front to back, bow to stern, whatever. Like, how do you really describe this thing? I know he has a forked tongue, and that's kind of sexy. He's got the pincers. He's got like a, I don't know, what kind of tail has he got? It's like a... It's like a alligator-type tail, sort of, kind of. Maybe, yeah. Because, I mean, he's he's using it to do some damage,
0: right? Yeah yeah I, I just don't get what is he like how much you know lizard is he versus how much man you know like you were well, saying earlier did you, know? you
2: not watch the rest of the movie no i did but i'm just saying like because we got you know. some pretty close percentages later on right i mean he, he's like 65 percent man oh but no no spoilers. he's a are getting there oh god <laughs> he's a real a man, man in the gym. <laughs> Well, guys, with the highs come the lows. Not long before we lose the beloved Dr. Shawshank.
3: Tragically. RIP. Tragic. Poor one out for a homie.
2: I don't think I could have, you know, I could have taken it. I'm, I'm glad it happened off camera. Me too. Because we didn't, we didn't have the, they, they didn't have the decency to put it off camera on Shawshank Redemption. Well, they we kind of did. Well, yeah, we saw those just feet see his feet twitching. Yeah, but they're twitching, oh, man. Yeah. And I, I didn't like that so sad. Yeah. Well, this thing can snatch a head off with a quickness, but it doesn't seem to be able to take out, like, large groups. And that's something that I noticed. Like, the crew in the waterway. I mean, they were a raft of ducks. and Yeah. I looked up the collective noun to refer to a group of ducks. Oh,
3: I thought you were oh, yeah. talking about a raft with ducks on it.
2: Oh no no no, a raft of ducks. See, there's a different collective noun for air, land, and water. So you have a, you know, you have a group of ducks on 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 the air, or in the air, flying. You got a different word for them on land. Got a different word for them in the water. A raft of ducks. And there are a couple other words well, too. I didn't get those. Well, Dan. Never knew that. Well, I'm glad you know now. But, you know, when there's a group of easy targets, the Cathoga only takes out, like, one or two at a time, right? Like, we don't see him just, like, going in and just fucking everybody up. He's grabbing one or two, and that's it.
3: And yet, when we look at everything, just yet, not and yet, um, when we look at everything, like, when we get down in the lair with the dogs and everything, there's so many people's remains. And he's allegedly only been there, what, like, six weeks?
2: Right. So I'm thinking, like, he should be like a bull in a china shop, but he's just cherry picking. I don't like that. I want to see destruction. I want to see him run through a crowd of people and they just go flying. That's what I want. That's the only thing missing, was the real That must have
3: been what happened when we weren't looking, if there's that many bodies.
2: Well, if they can get Tom Sizemore's hair... To, to look like that they can do anything with this cathoga okay he, he, he has the hairstyle that I kept from ages 2 to 28 and it's a true story. but at this point the kathoga drops through the skylight which is crazy to me and uh, actually let me go back a little bit. you know what's a good horror film without a solid twist? Dr. Green is, is, is you know, kind of made to lock herself in her lab for uh, safety reasons by Sizzlemore. And she gets an alert on her workstation. And it's telling her there's an exact match to the Homo sapien DNA in the sample from before. And I'll be goddamned if it isn't John by God Whitney. The one she's been shitting on this whole time. The one I've been defending how about that shit? Indiana drones came back hey, to bite her in
1: the ass.
2: Well, at this point, like we said, Cathoga drops through the skylight, looking for more destruction, or at least one at a time. He's got Doctor Green cornered, dead to rights, fam. Penelope Ann's got her own little alienesque moment here, right? With the uh, the close encounter. Cothoga inches from her face, forked tongue, licking her chest, reminiscent of Ripley from Alien or Aliens. Which one was that? Aliens. Yeah. Did anybody else get that vibe? They did. Of course you I did. I
1: thought old John Whittymore was getting him a, a taste. John Whittemore <laughs> e. was getting a little tasty tasty.
2: Well, James, unfortunately, I think, didn't you text me something along the lines of, if I don't see Penelope Ann Miller nipples, I'm out. Oh. Well, the only <laughs> the only nipples you saw, James, were the old indigenous lady at the beginning you probably didn't look close enough <laughs> well you know Dr. Green narrowly escapes sets the place ablaze Kathoga along with it gets herself to safety and destroys the Kathoga in the flames fantastic visual though the inflamed beast chasing Penelope down the, the little corridor before a narrow escape I really liked it was definitely scene. a good it was a good looking scene oh it was fantastic yeah um cgi most definitely but it wasn't just completely ridiculous it didn't look like uh Penelope in front of a green screen you know it, it looked good
3: well especially from for Cgi from what 25 years ago
2: absolutely yeah uh, I've got James oh, what a fun movie man you did the damn thing on this one really happy to to have revisited
1: the oh, relic movies actually- Top-notch picks.
2: Well, James, let's 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 calm down a little bit, okay? You almost put raw Rex group on
1: us. Come up with at the end of this podcast.
2: We'll be Casey. watching Million yes. Dollar Baby
1: this week. <laughs> Not a horror movie.
2: <laughs> Casey? <laughs> yes. Let's talk about those Rotten Tomatoes comments.
3: Let's do exactly that. So, unfortunately, as much fun as I had with this movie, critics did not feel the same, and neither did other audience members. <laughs> So, if we're looking at the Rotten Tomatoes page for The Relic, 1997, we've got a total score of a 36 with an audience score of a 34. Usually I see audiences rank things higher than critics, so that kind of surprised me. And then, if we're getting into actual reviews... A positive review is a surprisingly entertaining monster-on-the-loose picture set mostly in halls and private passageways of Chicago's Field Museum of Natural History, which is accurate. Uh, a negative one is gore seekers only need to know the body count is high and the scares are cheap as director Peter Hyams shares his beast repellent disregard for human life. And to that I say, I wish there was more disregard for human life. I want to see more of these deaths that we see the bodies for. The boat basement, all those people, I want to see more of that.
2: Yeah, that really did feel like what was missing. And there wasn't much missing in this.
3: Well, and the creature, the Cathoga, is only on screen for four minutes. And as cool looking as that thing is, i would have liked to see it more
2: absolutely absolutely i wanted to see a little bit more on the back end of the movie the build-up was fine i i felt like i was building up to see something and then maybe i didn't see everything that there was to offer maybe they were looking for a sequel i don't know but there was well, a i'll okay. tell tell me james
1: and in the words of old Stan Winston, the monster breaker himself, he told the director of this movie, less is more. The only reason you didn't see Jaws and the alien more is because the puppets didn't work. Direct quote.
2: Direct quote, huh?
1: Look it up.
2: Well, guys, let me go ahead and tell you who gets the Hammer Award from this movie. Is it Tom Sizemore? It is Tom, by God, Sizemore. more. <laughs> James, we talked about Tom Sizzlemore. Sizemore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In in, in order to etch the, the name correctly. This is a, uh,
1: this is a B movie with an A movie budget with Tom Sizemore shoulder checking everybody. So you better <laughs> check it out.
2: James, I couldn't have said it better. Hammer Award, Tom Sizemore, that beautiful creature. And guys, you know what? Let's talk about next week. I've got the watching?
1: I've got the person. He once dated Elizabeth Hurley. Who did? And he's top-notch in my book. Tom Sizemore did. Who? Tom Sizemore did. Not me.
2: Well, of course not you. She's beneath you.
1: (laughs) That is true.
2: I did not realize that. I guess uh, the only partner ever knew for her was old uh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant? Does that sound right?
1: Nobody knows who Hugh Grant is.
2: I'm sure a couple of people do. All right, movie for next week, guys. I've got the perfect one. I'm pulling it up right now. It is a 2003 French film. Director, Alexandre Aja, starring Cecile de France, Mai Nguyen, and Philippe Nahon. It is called High Tension. I love this
3: movie.
2: Well.
1: Oh, Oh, God.
2: <laughs> uh, I, of course i own it so yeah major props all right I I have those friends...
1: titles in it bill uh
2: yes but luckily you can read quite yeah. well james you know, usually
0: you can, movie movie you can also find it
1: you can also usually find
0: it dubbed james don't pussy out and
2: watch the dub version
1: then their lips won't even match
2: <laughs> i'm just offering you opportunities either they speak english or their lips match
1: Looks like I'm watching The Witch again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Best friends Marie and Alexia decide to spend a quiet weekend at Alexia's parents' secluded farmhouse. But on the night of their arrival, the girl's idyllic getaway turns into an endless night of horror. Guys, fantastic movie. I saw it when it was pretty new if I didn't see it when it was brand new. And I actually got it uh, double-dubbed because I saw this movie in Mexico. So I got the Mexican version of Spanish, not even the Spanish-Spanish version, of the French subtitles of the English translation. So, or I had that backwards. I don't know what I had, but this is a fantastic film. Um, IMDB has it at 6.8 out of 10, which I disagree with. That I give it a solid eight, and I hope you do as well. I guess we'll find out. Oh yeah, so guys, I guess we can ride off into the sunset and get to work on High Tension. Rick, I know you're gonna have fun mm. looking this one up for Rick's rundown.
1: Hollywood hey. Edward. <laughs>
2: For the godfather of droll, the Memphis Menace, and the final girl, I am Billy Graves. This was the Slashers and Screamers podcast, and we will catch you next week if you survive.